Hi, I'm John Farmer, and this is a special midweek podcast edition of Georgian Bay Roots. At Summerfolk this year, we tried something new by sitting down to interview performers in front of a live audience, and this is my full interview with John Brooks, one of my favorite songwriters and someone who I was absolutely honored to get a chance to sit down with and pick his brain. Before you hear that conversation, we're going to play a song. This is John Brooks with There Is Only Love. We are the earth and we are its soil. We are seeds, we are gifts to the soil We are hopes, blood and bone That we're never alone That is to say that there is only love We are the air that sings through the trees We are each other And we're on our knees We are the mystery and the wind In our beauty and suffering That is to say That there is only love That is to say That there is only love And we're fire and Sometimes we are our light We are passions that sometimes love right And we are brick, we are mortar We'll be ashes tomorrow That is to say that there is only love That is to say that there is only Uh, 
this is a totally new experience for us. We started uh, Georgia Bay Roots a couple of years ago, and we've been doing interviews the last few years, just like backstage. But this is the first time that we're doing interviews as, as a live kind of thing. And uh, my name's John Farmer. Again, welcome, and please join me in welcoming up all the way from Toronto, John Brooks. Thank you. Welcome back to Owen Sound, John. I know you've played Summerfolk before. You've played locally at the Bleeding Carrot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad you found your way back up 6 and 10, uh, all yeah. the way to us, and with a brand new album. Two. Two brand new albums. Yeah. All right, No One Travels Alone. Yep, and, and uh, Moth Nor Rust 2, which is formally coming out September 13th, but um, I've got it with me here. All right. So Moth Nor Rust 2, building on the themes of Moth Nor Rust, or retreating those songs? Uh more accurately, retreating the same songs, but not all the songs. It's, uh, the song, unlike a lot of other art forms, operates in time, and so uh, it it's it's changes like just just the way language and just like everything changes, operating in time, you know. And a lot of the songs on Moth and the Rust they were recorded in two thousand nine, and uh, I'm I'm known for being unknown, but. Ten years ago, I was even more unknown than I am now, and uh, this album came and went out a quick uh, came and went out of print fairly quickly. And yet, um, eight out of ten of the songs were regular songs that stayed in my set list for years. the The album Moth No Rust came from the idea. Well, the the term the the, the title comes from a passage in the Book of Matthew. Um, and the idea is, is that uh, all that makes us human uh, also happen to be all the things that are un- in, that are intangible: uh, trust, hope, faith, love, memory, inspiration, vigilance. Um, anyway, I was frustrated that I did not have the CD available. I was also profoundly aware of how much the songs had changed over ten years of playing them. I was a, strictly a solo performer back in 2009. Um, discovering I had epilepsy a couple of years ago forced me to find some musicians to play with because I couldn't drive as much as I was used to. And uh, so for the last two years, I've been playing with a, ver- a revolving door of musicians that I named the Outskirts of Approval. And to play with other musicians is such a pure joy. I can't imagine ever going back to solo again. So now that was the main impetus for this. Awesome, and especially appropriate given that the other album that you have available is No One Travels Alone. No One Travels Alone, which is still not even a year old. Um, and uh, yeah, that album is uh, all about interconnectedness. Uh, it's about uh, shifting our view from the anthropological to the uh, ecological. Um, it's about, um, yeah, interconnectedness. And I did something that, to my knowledge, has never been done in popular music before. I uh, I took an idea I found from uh, the Elizabethan poets, uh, John Donne in particular. Uh, have you ever heard of the Corona sonnets? Um, the Corona sonnets were a sequence of sonnets where the last line of one sonnet became the first line of the next one in the sequence until you got to the end of the sequence and the last line was the first line. So Corona crown uh, sometimes so it took me about three years to figure this one out but I managed to find ten songs that operated in that circular way so not only are we all 
interconnected, but uh, the songs on No Man Travels Alone are also interconnected. And you've treated different themes in your different albums from really uplifting songs that focus on the the interconnectedness of all things from the flowers and what they teach us to what we need to take with us if we're if we're going off of this planet one day you've also had albums of murder ballads that really clearly get into the minds of people who we wouldn't necessarily whose minds we might not want to occupy or choose to occupy on in our daily lives how do you decide from that full range of the human experience what to express I, I not all the al- I've done, I guess now I'm up to seven albums and not every one of them I sat down at the beginning with this need for some overt theme. Um, there's a couple albums which the theme is pretty obvious. One is the Hours and the Shepherds, which is all a collection of Canadian war stories, which was back in 2007 at a time where the whole country was we were still going on talking to each other, not thinking about how we're a nation of peacekeepers, and yet at the time we of course we were. Uh, losing lots of young young people in Afghanistan. It seemed to me the right thing as a, as a folk singer, which is what I proudly called myself back then, to write an album of Canadian war stories from soldiers' perspectives. The murder ballads, because violence and murder fascinate me, um, was something that I wanted to do, but there was actually a, really, a, a real need for me to do that because, frankly, I got really tired with showing up at the folk festival being put in the social justice workshop every single time. Apparently I failed at trying to get away from that because I'm doing that again this weekend. It's interesting, isn't it? Social justice and music. What art worthy of the name wasn't a fight or a protest against something? And yet popular music has devalued itself and declined as a, as, a, as a relevant art form so much in the present age that now if someone sings about something that has some contemporary relevance, they're topical or they're, they're, oh, they're songwriters of conscience. And I never understood that. I mean, I, I, I just... I, I, but there's worse things to be called, right? I mean, I, I'm not complaining, but it just sort of blows my mind that it, only in music do we have a section where it's called social justice, where every other art form, be it stage poetry or painting it's a given and interesting for a theme that that is speaking to the fact that we are all connected and that we are all equal that that to be then relegated to a different side stage might might speak again to the importance of that message getting out there even if it's uh even if it's not as evident as it could be or if we're not there yet yeah i mean it's easy to navigate if um if you if you believe as I do that this, you know, it's maybe an antiquated idea in some cases, but if you believe as I do that the song has to mean something, um, it's no problem. I, I, I don't write songs that are not hopeful. I, I, I believe every single song, even even the wildest murder ballad, is is a is a pronouncement of of love and hope for humanity in some in some way. Um, and I also believe that in every song there's a there's a desire there's a the purpose for writing it is to shove people towards virtue in some tiny uh unobvious way i don't want to be a protest guy I hate that word that's just like telling people how to vote or pointing a finger at people i'm not interested in that I just want to tell stories and the way that you're 
that you're telling stories on your album. That albums. was an awful answer. Sorry, John. We're he, just having he, a conversation. You can edit that out of the podcast. <laughs> There's a, it strikes me, too, that hearing you I- identify as, as someone who writes songs that are about examining the human condition and l- finding the hope in that no matter where we are at the moment. You, but the songs that you're, the way that your songs are structured are very seldom in the ABA chorus ABA kind of kind of way what is it about those more richly textured writing forms that that draws you in um thank you for noticing that uh that that's all that's by design I I think part of the you know the 20th century the linear ballad the need for songwriters to be storytellers and reporters and journalists and 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 collectors and distributors of 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 the you know of the tensions of the of the age um that had its time in the 21st century we've got wikipedia 24/7 news the need to tell a straight linear story in a ballad form a b a B C A what whatever like uh, to me those days are gone, and that's not an entirely bad thing. That means the songwriter now is free to become what, as you know, the Russian Nobel winner Svetlana Alexeyevich says, you know, to be collectors and distributors of emotional data. And one of the ways that you get at an audience, I think, is to constantly be concerned with surprise, shock, and uh, and wonder. Hmm. And and one of the great ways to do that is is to to play with the forms of the songs and not have what sounds like there should be a bridge coming up next. Instead, it suddenly takes a tangent and goes off, or occasionally have a song that goes off into eight minutes of w- weirdness. Um, I think we have a craving for the for that that wonder and that that shock and surprise today m- now more than ever. So. A few minutes ago, you said that in 2009, you identified as a folk musician. Mm. You, that, you made that sound like that was the past tense. How do you identify now? Well, I don't. I, I, if, there was a, if there was a little box I could check on every conference and, and festival I applied to that said anti-genre, I would be check, checking off that box. Unfortunately, there is not, um, and people still need to figure out a way to put us into a category. I think it's... Uh, essentially discordant with the arts it's 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 anti creativity um if we think that what we do can be put into a genre that if we if you know bluegrass for example i mean it was a music that was born because of uh a cross pollination of all kinds of different influences um so to be able to, 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 for my music to be able to be easily defined in an elevator pitch, I would feel that that would be a catastrophe, a failing, and basically proof positive that I was obviously doing something really mediocre that's been done a million times already. As we're talking about different art forms there, I, uh, I imagine a painting that has faded to the point where it's, uh, the texture has gone out of it, and you can't explain texture like that in, in just a few floors of an elevator. No, no. And you, you've mentioned uh, Russian liter- literature as, as an inspiration there and, and as a source of ideas. Oh, yeah. How does that, how does that shape your, your writing? What ideas have you found in Russian lit that, that have inspired you as a 
singer songwriter musician performer based in on yeah, on the shores of the great lakes in north america well um okay well uh, i could answer that one in a i'm gonna not do my best to be to be brief here i'll tell you this um one of my favorite russian writers solzhenitsyn uh in this in his book the gulag archipelago anybody read that um, this mammoth indictment of the 20th century communist experiment in Russia. Um, in one passage, right in the middle of the book, he talks about um, uh, the, 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 the chapter heading, I believe, is Bless You Prison. There's a passage in it, he says, uh, the line between good and evil cannot be drawn between nations. The line between good and evil is not drawn between political parties the line between good and evil is not drawn between religions creeds ideologies the line between good and evil cannot even be drawn between individuals the line between good and evil is drawn down the center of every human heart there's an example of a thought that is in every single song i've ever written since 2005 the idea that we are we are we are not actually individuals. We're very much individuals <laughs> and that we have good and evil inside of all of us. And that, and that, that, uh, that paradox is the explanation for some of these tattoos, but it's more pertinently uh, the driving force behind a lot of these songs. I'm, I'm chewing over that idea of we are individuals. That's a... That's a yeah, I heard that's that really recently. That's, I didn't just come up with that. I don't know where I heard that recently, but... It's fascinating. In the Middle, e Middle Ages, we didn't talk about individuality or, or, or hu you know, there was no humanism yet. When humanism came along, we were suddenly individuals. But, I mean, we are, we are, we are, we are, we are everything that is not that. We're, this river I stand in is not the river I step in. We're one thing to the next from moment to moment. Um, I'd never want to write... That's one reason why I will never write an overt protest song because I just not only would feel like a fraud acting as if I know the right moral thing to do at any given time, uh, um, I don't think that, that that's how we, that, I don't think that's how we live. You just reminded me of a, a quote from a songwriter who's from Grey Bruce originally. His name's Richard Laviolette, and he's got a, a line in one of his songs that says, the world is too complex for good and evil despite how well it plays out on a stage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so sorry. That was a buzzkill, I know. Yeah. You, thoughtful questions, though, John. Thank yeah. you. So you came to a professional musical career later in life. What inspired you at that, at that point, in what I believe was your, your 30s, to, to take on that, like, that, what is really a mammoth task, I think. It's easy for us to sit at a folk festival and say, yeah, yeah, all these people write songs, and they're all great. And... Uh, but writing songs and f wrestling with those ideas and then touring across North America and beyond is really hard work, and you stepped into that. A, I have no children. B, I married into an excellent dental plan. Uh, three, because it's always A, B, and three. It's never A, B, and C. We understand that, right? Okay. Um, it takes such an innumerable amount of failing to be able to write one good song. I was always a musician. I was, my, my dad, who's here this weekend somewhere with my mom, 
Um, he was a professional drummer for 20 years in a country waltz band. So every, my earliest memory was sitting on his lap playing drums. Um, and I, I played piano and I, I went to Humber College for jazz piano because I thought I could be Thelonious Monk when I was 19 or 20. And then I went off and joined a rock band playing Hammond organ and Rhodes piano for five or six years. And I, and I learned the hard way never to rent rehearsal space from heroin addicts. Things go missing, including Hammond organs. In 1997, I decided that was enough music for me. And uh, I, I, I quit music and went on to other things and um, did a lot of traveling, lived in Poland for a year, um, finally got around to picking up a book and deciding that uh, maybe I should get an education. Went back to school relatively late in my late 20s and after a number of starts and stops decided that my home was in the English department and that I wanted to write a novel because that's serious. <laughs> and, I, and I got some things published, nothing good, but, you know, uh, I was on track to something and I would follow around like a puppy dog my two mentors, my two biggest inspirations in Canadian literature. Uh, one of them, the late Austin Clark, and the other, Barry Callahan, who's taught me everything. Uh, and um, these guys took a shine to me. They saw something in me. I don't know what. But one night they took me out off-track horse betting. Today, I, I couldn't abide that, 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 that unethical uh, cruelty. But back in the, two th I guess, 2001, 2002, uh, you and your two literary heroes invite you out to teach you about off-track horse betting and drinking red wine, the answer is absolutely yes. And uh, we went out, and at one point, Barry got up to, make a, to place a bet after four bottles of South African Merlot were consumed. And Austin, does anybody know, you know Austin Clark, Giller Prize winner, remember him, the dreads? The island accent, the big voice. He looked at me across the table, looked right, looked right into me. He said, uh, I can't imitate the accent, so I won't even try. But he said, Barry tells me in an earlier life, you were a songwriter. And I'm like shaking. Um, and I said, uh, yeah, I think on a good day I, 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 wrote a, I could write a pretty good song. He said, so you're, so you're telling me that you can arrest the essence of a life and mix it with music and in less than five or six minutes have this and you know we were drinking all night so I said yeah man I think I can do that that's a family festival so I will not tell you exactly what he said but he said why are you hanging out with a couple grizzled writers writing a 400 page novel if you can do that in four minutes with a guitar. And, you know, my family and friends, they were bothering me for years. Why did you give up music? Why did you? But when your literary heroes say that to you, ah, I went home the next day, and I think I wrote a song called Mimico, which I still play. The guitar was so dusty, I can't believe I even found it. But that was in 2002 or three, maybe. I didn't get seriously back into it until 2006, and then I was, by 2009, doing it full-time. Because at that point, it's what we call being 
across the Rubicon. Leonard Cohen once said, you know, songwriting is not a uh, vocation, it's a sentence. I I didn't really understand what he meant until I got to a certain age. Now I understand exactly what he means. Maria, there's no going back now. We're we're going we're on this road now. <laughs> I heard uh, I heard someone describe once that musicians do it because they have to, and uh, and that makes a lot of sense. There's some truth to that, John. If we were going to end this interview on the radio yeah. with with one of your tunes, where can we go from here? I think after this particular interview. We need to hear Todos caminamos por este caminito We all travel over this little trail Alright, we're going to play that right now on Georgian Bay Roots Thanks so much for joining us Thank you, John The rose, the marigold and daisy The orchid, the lily of the valley They sing it They all sing it The myrtle looks at the lotus in The poppy consoles and sings us a hymn They sing it And we all join in The blue bonnets and camellias Indian paintbrush baby's breath They sing, they sing That's all they ever do is sing it They sing todos Caminamos por este caminito Todos caminamos por este caminito We all travel over this little trail We all travel over this little trail The banyan, the larch, and the sitka spruce The jack pine and the coast redwoods They sing it, they all sing it The sycamore, the giant sequoia The sugar maple, how I adore you Sing it, they're always singing Those ghost gum trees, oh so sexy They sing, they bring us unto our knees They sing, they sing, that's all they ever do is sing it. They sing todos, caminamos por este caminito. Todos, caminamos por este caminito. We all travel over this little trail. The wolf, the orca, the kookaburra, the morning dove and the polar bear, they're singing, they're always singing. The free-tailed bat, the smokehouse cat, cicada, chinchilla, even friendless rats, they're singing, they're always singing, they sing out 
their thanks, bird, flower, and beast. A dog, a squirrel, a stressed at leash. They sing, they sing, that's all they ever do is sing it. They sing todos, caminamos por este caminito. Todos caminamos por este caminito. We all travel over this little trail. We all walk over this little trail. Todos caminamos por este caminito by John Brooks off of his album No One Travels Alone. The first song that you heard before that interview was from the original release of Moth Nor Rust, and that was There Is Only Love. To find out more about John Brooks, and I hope that you want to, head to johnbrooks.ca or look him up on Facebook, John Brooks Music. You can also find him playing regularly at the Cameron House in Toronto. That's all the time that we have for this special midweek podcast edition of Georgian Bay Roots. Make sure you tune in on 560 AM, Sundays at 4, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for all of the updates. Have a great week. I'm John Farmer, and I'll see you folks around.